Well, after President Trump's strange behavior at the Helsinki summit, many asked the question, does Vladimir Putin have something on Trump? Now, best-selling author Craig Unger provides some answers in his new book, looking at the president's long-standing connections to the Russian mafia. Hi, I'm Melissa Ross. Hi, I'm Matt Corrigan, and this is Political Insanity. It's the weekly podcast where Matt and I try to make a little sense out of our insane political reality today. Because if you feel like the world has gone mad, well, politically, it has. That's right, Matt. Uh, bring some sanity back to your life by listening to us each week as we welcome big names to break down the impact of the Trump administration on our politics, and we have a great one today. We really do. We're pleased to welcome best-selling and acclaimed author Craig Unger. His previous book, House of Bush, House of Saud, made a big splash. Uh, his new book is House of Trump, House of Putin, the untold story of Donald Trump and the Russian mafia. That's right. And in this book, Unger details the president's many ties to the Russian mob and how their financial dealings impacted his campaign. Now, early books have detailed uh, Russian interference on the election and their involvement in the campaign, but they haven't gone deeply into this financial question over three decades of entanglement with Russian interests and Russian mob money, Matt. That's right. With more on that and the latest revelations into the Russian investigation, we welcome Craig Unger. Craig, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. And in this book, you go more deeply into what had sort of been reported on around the edges, uh, really, for many years. Um, but you have documents and interviews that you say conclusively show that the Russian mafia has laundered billions of dollars through Trump-branded real estate since the 1980s. Can you tell us a little bit more about the research that went into those findings? Right. Well, I wanted to get into how and why this began. And I think uh, a lot of people are being uh, inundated with one piece of the jigsaw puzzle after another. And I felt you couldn't really understand it unless you went to the, back to the beginning. So one of the first things I did was uh, there's a, there are real estate databases here in New York where you can see the ownership history of every single uh, apartment or home in the state of New York. And I obviously focused on all the Trump properties. And when I came across Russian names, I started Googling and researching them. And what I found was uh, Donald Trump has been laundering money for the Russell mob for more than 35 years. And it's been, it's been going on forever. I start you back in 1984 when a guy named David Bogan goes to Trump Tower. He comes in with $6 million in cash. That's the equivalent of about... 15 million today, and no questions asked, he buys five condos. And you see this pattern going on again and again, at least 1,300 times over the next uh, 30 years or so. Right. So this is a longstanding pattern, Matt. And I, and I guess the question many have is, how do we connect the dots from these business dealings to what we're seeing happen politically today with the president. That, that's right. And, and Craig, if you could give us kind of a broader perspective on, on what you're talking about, because, of course, in the 1980s, uh, Russia was still the Soviet Union. And so w what you're saying is that uh, the state is basically connected with the, the Russian mob and has continued beyond the transition from the Soviet Union to, to Russia. Absolutely. I, I interviewed uh, General Oleg Kalugin, 
and he had been head of counterintelligence for the KGB, the you know the feared secret service of uh, the Soviet Union uh, that has now morphed into the FSB in Russia. And he was, when I asked him about the Russian mafia, he said, "Oh, that's just another uh, arm of the KGB. That's part of our secret services." And when when you start uh, when you unpack that and start to understand what that means, it's really quite shocking because. A lot of the Russian mobsters that the FBI was chasing, they thought they lived in Brooklyn, uh, which was sort of known to be the center of the, of the Russian mafia in, in the United States. But instead, uh, they ch- chased them around and found that a lot of them actually lived in Trump Tower. And uh, that, that raises some very, very serious questions when you understand that they are tied to Russian intelligence today, that here you have... Uh, a Russian operation tied to Russian intelligence with, with channels right to the Kremlin that are based in the home of the President of the United States. Okay, and so how do you draw the line then between all of the money that bailed Trump out from really Russian blood money, mafia money, money from human trafficking and drug trafficking and other uh, really nefarious activities how is that then a form of financial leverage that you believe the Russian government has over this president? Uh, yes, I do. And, and I mean, it's important to remember that in the 90s, Trump had uh, expanded into Atlantic City. It overexpanded. He had three massive, massive casinos. One cost over a billion dollars. They're all competing each other against each other and they went bankrupt. Trump ended up $4 billion in debt after that and had, was, had filed uh, within six bankruptcy courts at one point. Um, and the Russians came to his aid. They bailed him out. They owned him. And they started a company called Bayrock, uh, which was a real estate development company located actually in Trump Tower, just uh, a floor below Trump's own personal offices in Trump Tower, uh, in, in his home building, the ground jewel of his empire. And they started biz- doing business with him, and they kind of came up with a new uh, model for him. He Again, he was so deeply in debt, he could not possibly get a bank loan from any Western bank. So they said, well, look, we'll put up all the money, like a couple of billion dollars. We'll develop these buildings. Uh, we want to use your name, though, and, and we will pay you 18 to 25% royalty fees if we can call them Trump Towers all over the world. And there's a Trump Tower Soho just uh, about a mile from where I live here in downtown New York. And they did that, started doing that all over the world, and it made Trump rich again. Well, Craig, when you look at relationships between prominent American business people and, and people overseas, there's a long history of business people reaching out and kind of getting the best deals that they can overseas, you know, even under corrupt circumstances. So what does, does this relationship that Donald Trump has with people in Russia, is, is it extraordinary? I mean, you're, you're, it seems to me you're making the case that it's very extraordinary. Well, he's not the only one, and I'm sure there are other real estate people who who may have cashed in on this in some way or another. I think that's sort of not the point, because Trump, obviously, is mm-hmm. the United States, and they're not. And this seems to have been uh, also, uh, you know, Trump has repeatedly said he has no contact to Russia. I found at least 59, and I'm sure there are more that I didn't 
uh, couldn't corroborate. And when, what I do in the book is I uh, put, I, I think of them as pieces of a jigsaw puzzle almost. And when you put them all together, you can see the whole picture. And what you see is something that starts off as a, a win-win situation where the Russian mob gets their money laundered and Donald Trump gets rich. But it gradually morphs into something much, much more serious than that, in which he has real uh, uh, political uh, future and eventually becomes president of the United States, by which time he is completely, completely compromised by Russia. Let me ask you then, uh, as this whole uh, investigation comes to a head, how do you see this playing out with the special counsel, Robert Mueller? Uh, Is he going to go after what you're saying are Donald Trump's financial crimes, will that be the main thrust of whatever report he issues? Or will he make try to make more of an obstruction case uh, against this president and leave the financial matter to the federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York? Well, I, I think my, my book is, is sort of a roadmap and a blueprint of how we got to where we are and some of the areas that, that Mueller will be uh, going across, uh, will be coming across, but he he's going for the con- convictions, obviously, and if you look at what he's done with Paul Manafort, for example, he's focusing on very specific crimes, uh, and he may well do so with, uh, he's already got, I, I think it's seven people to flip against Trump. When, when Richard Nixon went down, it was in large measure because his lawyer, John Dean, uh, turned against him, uh, this has already happened six or seven times with key people who are part of, of Trump's uh, uh, entourage of his inner circle. So we're seeing all that to come to a head, and I think we're on a collision course where Trump is sort of being cornered, and he will either fall to the legal process or he will have, have to resort to extreme extra-constitutional measures uh, which can be quite scary in terms of uh, America's faith as a democracy. Well, I think, uh, you know, in your investigation, you've obviously uh, studied Russian players to a great extent. What can we look forward to in the, the future with this relationship between Trump and uh, Russia or the United States and Russia? Does you, do your findings give us any clues to how that might develop? Yeah, I mean, do the Russians no longer see the president as a valuable? You're saying they see him as a Russian asset. Do they no longer see him as as valuable an asset after all of the revelations and all of the news of the last couple of months? Well, I think he's been extremely valuable to him, and and he probably still is. Whether they'll jettison him at some point or another. I don't know, but you can see, for example, even before the election, as the Republican convention was taking place, uh, the Republicans, who are normally very, very tough on Russia, suddenly uh, became uh, very uh, friendly to Russia with regard to the Ukraine plank in the Republican Party's platform. And, And that was done by Manafort's people, Paul Manafort's people at the RNC convention, uh, in the summer of 2016. And obviously, more recently in Helsinki, we've seen uh, the president take a very, uh, you know, he's completely, he's not fighting back to Putin whatsoever. There, there are lots of reports that our 2018 elections, our congr- the upcoming congressional elections, 
may be compromised by Russia. But Trump has dismant- dismantled the cyber warfare uh, protection. Um, you know, and he's uh, been taking one action after another um, that sort of attacks Europe as one of our potential foes, which is exactly what Vladimir Putin wants. So I think Putin is very, very happy with the direction uh, Trump has been going in. Wow. Well, there's a lot more in this uh, book, and we're out of time. So I encourage everyone to read House of Trump, House of Putin by bestselling author Craig Ungar. More about the president's connection with Russian mafia members and oligarchs. Craig, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you for having me. And that's Craig Unger. Well, you know, it's it's not the first time that an author or a researcher has made these allegations, Matt, but this is a, really a treasure trove of documents and interviews that attempts to pull all these web all these threads together to make a more complete picture. Right, and, and we'll see if the the Mueller investigation or the Southern District of New York, you know, really builds upon what Unger's done. And we will keep talking to people on this podcast, Political Insanity. Uh, So keep listening. I'm Melissa Ross. And I'm Matt Corrigan. We'll be back next time.